You are listening to The Limitless Podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Heron. What if you had no limitations keeping you from your dream life? In 2016, I had a major tug on my heart to write a book about my story. And in the process, I learned that I had been operating with a very faulty belief system for the majority of my life. I've had a huge transformation since then. And my life's passion and mission is to teach you how to live a limitless life. Join me on this journey. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Podcast. This is Deanna Heron, your host. As always, I'm so incredibly grateful to be with you today and thank you so much for being a part of this community because this community is a community that wants to become limitless in their leadership. So congratulations to you for being someone who is ready just to level up, to up-level your life and step into the greatness of the woman you're created to be. I want to remind you that first and foremost, my mission is always to help women stand in their truth, the truth of who you are, the truth of the divine woman that you are created to be, the impact you are created to make, because I truly believe that a woman standing in her truth becomes limitless in her impact. So welcome on this Tuesday. We are in the Warrior Woman series. And I have such an incredible lineup of amazing women warriors. And I know if you're listening to this podcast, you are a warrior as well. So congratulations to you. Our guest today, I have been following her for a while. And then we happened to um, be in a book process together. So she co-authored a book recently with a dear friend of mine, and I wrote the introduction to the book. So, um, so Jenna DeLulio, what a precious spirit, you guys. You're going to hear directly from her, her story, her story of where she is today and where she has been and how she made it through that process. So Jenna, I am so grateful for you for being on this podcast and grateful Mm -hmm. for your story that has helped, I know, thousands and thousands. You've made an impact on my life just watching Mm -hmm. you and seeing you bravely share your testimony. So I want to know all the goods about who you are today and what is amazing about your life and how you are impacting others. So welcome. Thank you. Honestly, I'm so excited to be a part of this women warriors. Like I feel like, especially now that I'm a mom, like women are just the most amazing creatures. Like I think every, every woman is a warrior, (laughs) but I'm honored to be here to be able to share my story and yeah, right now, my life, um, I am a content creator. I've been on social media now for almost six years, which is crazy. Um, and that's really like where my work comes from is monetizing my social media account. I didn't, I say I didn't get sober to monetize my account, but it's kind of like what happened is not a lot of people were talking about recovery and getting sober about six years ago. Now it's amazing. You have so many people that are opening up and shining a light. And I just, oh my gosh, I think it's 
awesome. But back then there wasn't. And so when I was sharing my story of recovery and struggling, people were really intrigued by it. And I gained a following that way. And now I've completely monetized my account that I work off of. And I'm able to be at home with my daughter, who's six months old. She's so sweet. Um, And I live in Virginia in a very small podunk town. And... That's, that's kind of my life, my shtick. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So tell me a little bit about um, how you got to where you are. So you're a content mm-hmm. creator. And what does that mean for those, those people who don't know exactly what a content creator is? So I'm on mainly on Instagram, but I'm on all social media platforms, Facebook, TikTok, and I'm creating content. Like my main goal when I'm creating content is to inspire. Um, when originally I was talking, speaking to women in recovery. Now my page has evolved because I've been on for so long and it's great because I feel like my followers have evolved with me and I've shared a lot of motherhood about my struggles there as well as being a brand new mom and I'm almost 40, like we said. Um, and so creating content in a way that will make a positive impact on women is my main goal. Awesome. So good. So do you help other people with their content or you just create your own? Yeah, I do. I, so I'm so glad that you asked this. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm merging with a web design company right now. And I had like a business that I had started focusing specifically on local businesses to help them, um, just get their account up and running and really, uh, focus on, the local part of businesses, because there's a difference between a small business and a local business. Local businesses care about the people in their community, and I want to help them reach those people. So we are merging, and I'm going to be doing social media management for local businesses across the country. Um, with that, so, very yeah. good, very good. Yeah. That was a great lead-in. Um, (laughs) to, to what you're going to be doing. So I had, I had no idea you shared with it a little bit when we did our first little interview, but, um, congratulations to you. That's, that's amazing. And it's so cool to see Mm -hmm. how you have grown and evolved, you know, starting Mm -hmm. your sobriety journey and then now coming into motherhood and Mm -hmm. something new and exciting. Yeah. So, um, I want to know your arena story. So I want to share one of my favorite, um, poem sayings and it's by Theodore Roosevelt. And I think Brene Brown kind of made this really popular. It's something that hangs in my office and I read it mm-hmm. on the regular. Um, but it's, it's about, um, it's not the critic that counts, not the man who points out the strong, who, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who is at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he falls while daring greatly. So I love this so much because, Mm -hmm. um, we are in the arena and you have a story in you where you have gotten up and you have 
overcome. You have shared with others your struggles to help other people overcome. And so I would love to know whatever you want to share with us about your arena story. I love that quote as well. I think it just gives me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's think. So I grew up in West Virginia, which is in the middle of nowhere. I smaller than the town that I live in now, which is wild. Um, and a more, it's very rural there. Um, the way that I describe it is like, it's, it's even now there's like a stigma. I feel like associated with mental health in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up with my father who was an alcoholic my whole life. I hated the fact that my dad was an alcoholic my whole life. I was able to recognize this as a, at a young age. And I talk about a lot about this in the chapter that I wrote. Um, but it was, it affected my life. You know, I, it affected my memories that I have of him. And I, we would butt heads all of the time. I was the oldest. So I have so many characteristics of a child of an alcoholic because I was there defending my family and I didn't understand addiction at that time. I think that's important to, to realize. I didn't understand. I I would say like, just quit. Like, why can't you just quit drinking? If you loved us, then you would stop. And I didn't understand that shaming someone wouldn't get them sober. Mm. It would, it doesn't work that way. And I, what I also didn't understand at the time that I see now is that my parents were doing the best that they could do. My dad only had one tool to use in his toolbox when it came to stress, when it came to anger, when it came to celebrating, when it came to anything, he just had one thing that he would reach for. And that was alcohol for coping or for happy times too. And as I got older and I went to college, I started experimenting with drinking. Um, I just red flags for me. If I would have again, known more and been more educated on addiction was every time I drank, drank, I would black out, Mm -hmm. but it's so normalized in, in the college culture I would have never been able to recognize it then because it was kind of like everybody was drinking and blacking out and it just carried on into my thirties. And, um, I ended up getting into a really bad car accident because I was drinking and driving. And even then I could, you couldn't tell me otherwise that it was drinking my drinking that caused this. My parents, you know, tried sitting me down and saying, maybe this is something that you should look at. And I was like, you are going to talk to me about drinking, like on my high horse of like, I don't have a problem. You have the problem. Like, don't talk to me about what I need to do. And I lost everything at that time. I would say that was like my deepest rock bottom that I hit. I lost my job. I lost my car. I lost my apartment. I had to move back in with my parents and I, ended up just drinking in their basement after you would think that I would see this correlation. And the only tool that I had to use in my own toolbox was alcohol. I also didn't have coping skills to process this trauma that I had been through. So, um, 
I've had my husband in my life now for 12 years, which is just wild. <laughs> he's been, he's known me like through all of this, through my like drinking in my twenties, all the way up to this point. And at the time um, that this all was going on, he was getting his master's degree at Temple University and he wanted to apply to get his PhD. And we moved down here to Virginia together. I'm, like I look back at him and I'm like, you thought, like, I don't know what you saw in me at the time. Like I just lost everything because I was drinking and driving. And you're like, you seem like a good support. So we moved to Virginia and uh, I got a job down here that was super stressful. I was away from family and I would just drink. I would drink to cope with my homesickness. I would drink to cope with the stress of my job by myself on the back porch. I would just sit there and guzzle two bottles of wine a night while smoking cigarettes. And just that's the way that I dealt with things. I would call people up on the phone. I don't, I don't know if anybody's listening to this and can relate. call people up on the phone <laughs> and ramble for like an hour on the phone. Like who would want to listen to me in a drunk stupor doing that? I had great friends <laughs> that love me dearly. When I realized that I really, truly had a problem was my parents came down in the summer of 2016 and they stayed for a week. And my dad and I blacked out every single night that they were here visiting. And I said horrible things to my mom and I had always been the one to protect her. Mm -hmm. And it was a harsh look in the mirror I like saw that I had become this person that I swore I would never become that I loathed at some points that I had said to them I hate you I'll like you know to to look back and see that I thought like it was there was so much out of my control that I didn't realize mm -hmm. and that's when I made my first therapy appointment. And I went in to the appointment to fix my family is how I described it to my therapist. I just want to, I want to fix my family. And I was really lucky. I had someone that just flat out asked me like, well, how much are you drinking? And I looked so different than I do now. I'm sure that it was really apparent to her. My face was red. I was really swollen. Mm -hmm. My hair was breaking off. Um, I barely like would brush my hair. It would be like in knots, almost like in a bun on top of my head. And I told her I was honest for the first time I was honest with someone. And she, um, I, she called me out. Like, she's like, this is like, you know, this is excessive drinking. Like you are so small to be drinking that much. Like I'm only five foot two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I thought, Oh shit. I, I said it to another person because even my husband who lived with me at the time and saw me doing all these things, it just be, had become normalized to him. Mm -hmm. But for someone to know and it just was like, I really, I'm going to have to deal with this now. And so I remember leaving there and trying to look online and find someone on the internet that looked like me, that talked like me, that was around my age, that was sober. And I couldn't do it. 
Mm. I couldn't find anyone that I could look to to say, well, she's doing it. Like she's still having fun. Cause I thought fun, fun for you, girl is over. Like that is over zone. Like I would lament in therapy. Like we would, I would sit and go back and forth with my therapist. Like you, so you're saying I'll never be able to have champagne on my wedding day. She's like, no, you wouldn't. And like, I couldn't wrap my head around that. So it was months of me relapsing and months of me going to therapy and picking up these new coping skills, putting new tools in my toolbox. And I kind of describe it because it wasn't like, it wasn't like this rock bottom moment that happened when I got sober. It was a very like slow progression to getting there, just like it was a slow progression to me getting to where I was as an alcoholic. Right. And I went out one night with a bunch of girlfriends and I got drunk, but I woke up the next morning. I ran a 5k, which I would do these things like normally. I ran a mar- a half marathon completely hungover from, I don't even know how I did it, but I woke up and I thought I'm going to really like, I'm going to do this this time. And it's like alcohol became so much less sparkly the more that I worked on myself. And I asked my husband, my best friend, and my mom to hold me accountable to this goal. And I said, if I call you and I say I want a drink or I tell you that I'm really stressed, I, I need you to say no because I can't trust myself at this point. I had tried so many times by myself. And they did. And... One day turned into one week, one week turned into one month. And now I'm like five and a half years sober, which is so crazy. Congratulations. And about two years after I got sober, my dad got sober, which was like, honestly, if you would tell me that we would be where we are today, like I would have, I would have never believed you. He... Um, I approached it totally different than I had before. Uh, for his birthday that year, I wrote him a long letter and I read it to him out loud. I, I went home and I said, I told him I loved him first. Like how, told him how much I loved him. Wow. And instead of shaming him, just pouring love and encouragement on him that if I can do this, I know you can. And it was emotional. And um, so he's been working on his recovery ever since. And so we've, you know, now I have my daughter who I think like, it's like the first generation that will be like directly affected Mm -hmm. by this decision and this work that I was able to do. Um, And, So beautiful. So beautiful. So you said so many great things, um, with your story. So first of all, kudos to you. Thank you for being willing to do the work because I know it's, it's hard work, but one of the things you said that I want to make sure that all the listeners are paying attention to is, um, and you may not realize this, but, um, every relationship in our life is in our life to grow us. And the beautiful thing about your relationship with your dad is our parents are brought into our lives 
to help us and to teach us unconditional love. Because just like mm-hmm. what you said, you know, they had very little tools. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't given a whole lot of tools. And it's our growing into that unconditional love for our parents is what mm-hmm. grows us. And what you mm-hmm. did through being sober was, and that letter that you wrote was showing your father complete unconditional love. Mm-hmm. So amazing, such an amazing, amazing story. And so I'm so proud of my dad. Like I can't tell you how proud I am. Of my dad. Yeah. Yeah. But you had to be the one to do it first. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the cool part of this story is you had to learn mm-hmm. to love yourself unconditionally. So you could show that to your daddy. It's so true. It's so true. You have to like, and to learn about communicating because that was another part of my recovery that I didn't have all of the education and the knowledge of how to best communicate and, you know, learning to come from a place of love and then also really learning about addiction because I didn't know, I didn't know about how it affects people and how you can't just stop. Right. Until I tried to stop and I'm like, well, this is hard to do. You know, I can't tell you how many times I woke up on a bathroom floor. My, my chest would be aching because I was leaning against a toilet all night and I didn't, I didn't remember doing it, but I knew what had happened. And I would just think, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Like, when are you going to get off of this merry-go-round? And addiction is interesting in the fact that it's the only disease that you hold, you yourself hold the key to your recovery. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I know that there's also women out here that may not have an alcohol addiction, but it could be food. Mm -hmm. Could be shopping. It could be Netflix binging. What, you know, whatever it is, but the the same is true is, is learning to love ourselves unconditionally enough and get to that point where it's like, how much more can you take of this? and um, not truly living your life. So such a a beautiful story. So do you have, what are the tools that you have in your toolbox today? Um, I still go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Like I think therapy is so helpful. It just, there's things that I will discover like every week that I'm like, oh, I'm going to bring this up in therapy. (laughs) Because there now, especially that I have my daughter, it's like I have this extra set of eyes that are on me and I want to constantly be evolving mm-hmm. to my best self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in recovery, you're never done working. Like yep. this is a disease that I will have for the rest of my life. It, it's something that I always have to keep, you know, on my hand on to remember to be present and to be aware. Um, so there's always, I'll probably always be in therapy and I'm totally fine with that because I enjoy being able to work on myself. Um, but I think like being able, when I would get really triggered is when, you know, I would get angry or, or, you know, get stressed. 
being able to feel those emotions is so hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really is when you are used to numbing something. Now I can go for a walk to breathe through it, to actually feel, I like say like living life in the raw is it's just not easy, but it there's like, there's you, you have the good and the bad with it, right? Like you get to experience lows, but then you have your highs that you, you you feel everything about that too, where you're living off of a high of just your life of the goodness that's going on. I was in New York last Thursday. I got into invited to a, um, event for fashion week, but it was my first night away from my daughter. So this was like like a roller coaster of emotions because I got into New York. I was so excited. I'm like in Times Square, you know, meeting celebrities and hanging out with people. So I go from this high, get back to my room and realize it's just like the silence was deafening and I didn't realize how much I would miss her. And to have that separation between us be like nine hours away. And I, I had such bad panic that night. Something I'm going to work on with my therapist (laughs) this week. But feeling like going from a high like that to like, oh my gosh, like a low like that. Like you're feeling everything. Like I don't knock anybody that takes medication. Heck, I might go to my therapist this week and I might have to be put on medication for this. But feeling all of those emotions is tough and being able to have good coping skills through it is important. I definitely need to be working on those more for, because there's, I'm going to be away from her at times. Yes. It's going to happen. Uh, Um, but breathing exercises helps when I was in the hotel room, I was trying to like lay down, do yoga poses, deep breathing, um, And just like being aware, I feel like that in these moments of hard times, because just because you get sober, it doesn't mean that you are void of hard times in your life. Like you get sober and don't get me wrong. Like the main goal of my account when I started really sharing was to show women, you can have fun and your life will, it will, I promise you exponentially be better when you quit drinking alcohol. Your skin's going to improve. Your health is going to improve. Every aspect of my life got better. But there's still hard times. (laughs) Like you, you still will have hard times that happen. And so it's important to get coping skills that are in place. And I think, um, you know, breathing really helps me moving my body. Like when I can move my body, body on a daily basis it even in it doesn't have to be running like five miles even if it's just a walk outside and to get fresh air and to really be present those are the ways um that I cope now and it doesn't help it doesn't uh it's not bad to call a friend either that's right to vent or to really like open up to say listen I'm having a hard time like I want to like talk this out with you Yes, for sure. And therapy, just like you said, I'm still going to still going to therapy. There's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. at all. And thank you for bringing that up. Everyone mm-hmm. needs help managing their emotions, mm-hmm. managing their trauma, working through that stuff because 
you know, nowadays trauma is so misunderstood because they think it's, you know, this horrible thing that happens to you when you're a child. And really trauma is just the moment we decide something about ourselves. And when we're in a highly emotional negative state, it could be a boyfriend broke up with us. And we've been carrying, oh, yeah. carrying around this story that I'm not ever going to be lovable. And mm-hmm. that, you know, brings out different things in our life. We attract people who show us that story that we believe. So trauma is so misunderstood. And mm-hmm. thank you for, you know, being such an advocate for therapy because it's so important. Everyone needs to know how to manage their emotions. It's not a bad thing. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's not a bad thing at all. And it like, I think, you know, coming from a place that we've talked about before, like I was open and transparent about my addiction, even when I was pregnant, like I had was so hormonal and would cry all the time. Like I knew that was the time that I really needed to dig in to therapy because I knew just with my own mental health history and everything that I had from addiction to depression, I would be more predisposed to postpartum depression. And I'll, you know, I, it's a wild number that how many women like experience postpartum depression. We've seen horrific things on the news that happens when you don't take care of your mental health during this time. And it doesn't mean that something's wrong with you at all. Like, you know, you have so many hormones and so many new changes in your life going on to have this unbiased voice there that gets to listen to you and show you new ways to think or to process or to put you on medication, even for a short period of time, can literally change your life. Mm -hmm. It can change your life. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So I heard you say a couple of things I just want to repeat. So therapy is important. Breathing, moving, getting out in nature. Mm -hmm. So important. But you said another thing that I thought was huge too, is collaboration. You, Mm -hmm. You had people who you made accountable. You wanted that accountability. And so that collaboration is so huge too. just, you know, our secrets keep us sick and you didn't want to stay in that closet. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you asked for help. And I love Mm -hmm. that so much. You are such a light such no I'm such a light and I know for those who are listening you can't see but go to YouTube and see this beautiful woman she's just (laughs) radiant with yeah such such a light and thank you for changing so many lives um, Thank you. You're so sweet. Yeah, through your content. And so I would love for you just to share how people can get in touch with you if they want to look at your page and see more about you and your story and get some insight on how they can become sober. Yeah. yeah. You can head to my Instagram is where I'm mainly on. So it's Jenna, J-E-N-N-A. And then my last name is D-I-L. L-U-L-I-O. I'm on TikTok, Facebook, and then I also have my website, which is my name, JennaDelulio.com. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. What a beautiful story. And thank you. It was such an honor to be with you. I mean, I have so many golden nuggets that I that I'm bringing with me as well. So thank you for us. Thank you so much for having me on. Honestly, thank you. Yes, for sure. All right, you guys, Jenna, 
go check her out. She is amazing. You're going to love her content and just love her spirit and her light. So thank you for joining. Thank you for being a part again of this community. I love you all and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye everyone. I'm honored to have you as part of the Limitless community. If this podcast has added value to you, I'm going to ask you to do two things for me. Number one, share it with your family and friends. And number two, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Deanna Heron. I always love hearing from you. If you would love more about what's happening in the Deanna Heron world, you can go to DeannaHeron.net, subscribe to my email list, or even be a part of my private Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.